The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by Alumni Ventures. Invest with confidence. Discover the power of venture investing with Alumni Ventures, America's largest venture firm for individual investors. Learn more at av.vc. LinkedIn presents. And there is a definite sense that I'm going to need to let go of something, but I don't know what that is. In today's episode, listener Lisa shares an experience and a question that so many of us grapple with. You're in a career doing well and have even said yes to, oh, a few things on the side. And the blend is actually working, but you're starting to see a time where maybe it might not. And you're wondering if and when you should do something about that. And on deck with me this week from the Sparked Brain Trust to help tease out what really matters and share insights and ideas is the founder of Original Impulse Creative Studio and Atelier and Coaching Program for Writers. She's also an author, workshop facilitator, a trusted advisor, and incredible coach, Cynthia Morris. Quick note, you'll hear us mention something that we call sparkotypes in conversation. So what is that? Well, it turns out we all have a unique imprint for work that makes us come alive. This is your sparkotype. When you discover yours, everything, your entire work, life, even parts of your personal life and relationships, they begin to make sense in a whole different level. And until you know yours well, you're kind of fumbling in the dark. And just like today's listener did, you can discover your Sparkotype for free at Sparkotype.com. You'll find a link in the show notes. Now, on to Lisa's story and question. I'm Jonathan Fields, and this is Sparked. Hello, Jonathan. My name is Lisa. My preferred pronouns are she and her. My general life circumstance is that I am in my ahem, young 50s and so mid-career. I have a day job. I am an executive director at a university. I have a whole bunch of things that I do on the side, including um, coaching, consulting, speaking, and training. And I am also pursuing doctorate studies out of an area of interest. What is working for me right now is I love my work. I am very challenged in all of these different areas. They are a lot of fun. I enjoy meeting with new clients. I enjoy my day job. I am helping to solve interesting problems and working with really fabulous people in a great organization. What's not working is I seem to have a lot going on and I get really interested in all these different things. And I did start this doctor program and I'm not too sure what I'm going to do with it. I started it at a time in my life when my career was very uncertain and then I got a new job and I do enjoy the doctorate work and I do enjoy the new job and I do enjoy all the things that I do on the side, but it is getting to be a little bit much. So what's not working is I keep getting attracted by bright, shiny new things. I am involved in numerous projects which are fascinating and have the opportunity to grow. And there is a definite sense that I'm going to need to let go of something, but I don't know what that is. And right now, today, as I'm recording this, it's not a terribly urgent issue, but probably will turn into one in the next couple of months and certainly will in the next couple of years as I'm writing up my thesis and determining what do I want to do with this doctoral project, assuming, of course, that everything goes well and it turns out the way that I want. 
So my spark type profile, number one is the essentialist. And I was very excited when I saw this because I had never had anybody tell me before that this was a superpower. Creating order out of chaos was a superpower. And so I was very excited about this and really felt resonated that, you know, simplify and creating order and having control over the process and the resources and being able to arrange all these different things for other people and absolutely difficult when other people get in my way. Um, so much of this just resonated with me. And then in terms of the shadow sparkotype, it was the sage and teaching is definitely important to me. Sharing knowledge with other people, keeping the learning conversation flowing has been a mantra for a very long time. And so these are my sparkotypes, and I suspect they're a very close one and two. They might be able to flip at different times. So the one question that I'm really interested in, and I don't know if Jonathan and the Brain Trust, if you have this magic wand, is what should I be doing with this life? I am so fortunate in that I have so many interesting opportunities, and I need a lot going on to keep me intellectually stimulated. Doing the doctorate in many ways is a challenge to see if I can just do deep focus on this one subject area and not get distracted by other bright, shiny things. But where where would I be best positioned to really focus my time and my energies? Because the balance, I will admit, is getting a little out of hand. So thank you very much for listening to my recording. Take care and thank you. I'm Jesse Hempel, host of Hello Monday. In my 20s, I knew what I wanted for my career. But from where I am now, in the middle of my life, nothing feels as certain. Work's changing, we're changing, and there's no guidebook for how to make sense of any of it. So every Monday, I bring you conversations with people who are thinking deeply about work and where it fits into our lives. We talk about making career pivots, about purpose and how to discern it, about where happiness fits into the mix and how to ask for more money. Come join us in the Hello Monday community. Let's figure out the future together. Listen to Hello Monday with Jesse Hempel wherever you get your podcasts. The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by HubSpot. More to-dos, less time, and so many tools to keep track of. Doing business can be hard, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You just need HubSpot. Their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this. Higher quality leads, fast closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark breaking quarters. It's not a miracle. It's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today. So that was pretty interesting in a lot of different ways. I am so curious to get your take on this, Cynthia. As always, were there big themes or ideas or like big things that you just noted that jumped out at you right away? Well, first of all, Lisa, uh, we don't share the same sparkotypes, but you are speaking my love language of more, 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 <laughs> more. And well, I'll, I'll even when there's too much going on, I'll add more. It's just a strange thing. And so sometimes I have to make a sign that says add no more and then post it in my studio. 
But the big theme that is jumping out to me is that Lisa really loves this way of being. And it's not really too much of a problem, but I think her intuition is telling her that it will be. And this was a problem for me when there was a major life event that happened. A couple major life events happened for me last fall that showed me that you, we need a little margin. We need a little wiggle room because when the unexpected happens, we don't want to be already overextended. Yeah. I, I mean, I was picking up on a lot of those same things. I am for some reason wired to take on a lot of different stuff, but I don't actually enjoy the experience. So whereas Lisa feels like it, you know, and, and she said this, she literally said, I need a lot going on to keep me intellectually stimulated. Me too. I actually, I, I, I feel best when I'm fairly streamlined and when I actually don't have a ton of stuff kind of sort of coming at me constantly all the time. And yet I constantly consistently put myself in that circumstance, which is a whole nother conversation. So it's, it's interesting though, because the, this other thing that you keyed in on is she opened by saying life is good. Basically, you know, she's in, in her words, she's helping to solve interesting problems, working with fabulous people in a great organization Right. So this isn't somebody who's saying to us, Oh, there are all sorts of problems going on in my current work. You know, and how do I fix them? How do I reimagine or optimize or how do I look for the next thing? What she's saying is everything's really good, but there's this inner drive that keeps me saying yes to bigger, more complex things. And while I can kind of, it feels good now, she sees the trajectory forming. And she's looking ahead and saying, I see a time where it's not going to feel good. So there's this really interesting anticipatory thing that's going on that may or may not come to pass. Well, it feels like intuition. Like she just knows that there's a limit and she's coming to it. So she asked for a magic wand of what <laughs> she should be doing and where to best focus. I think the magic wand for Lisa, you know, Lisa, it's for you to have a decision-making process that helps you to know what to say yes to, know what to let go of, and, and also to know what your true capacity is with a little bit of margin for life's random things. So what I have are a lot of coaching inquiries for her that I that I would ask that that might help. And one of the things that that really jumped out at me is as an essentialist who takes makes order from chaos, this is what Lisa does for other people. So it's it's really borrowing some of her own medicine for herself. How can she step back? How can she get some distance and use some of her great skills for her own um, projects? Yeah, I I love that. And actually I would love to hear some of those other coaching prompts from you. Uh, yeah. Maybe get, walk through some of those because I would imagine they'll be helpful, not just for Lisa, but for other listeners who are kind of have their version of this, or maybe they see their version of it coming down the road. Yeah. So as I mentioned, I'm a glutton for more and the world just seems to keep presenting more and more options to me and I will take them on. So having a few questions that I ask myself, or first of all, knowing what am I trying to do? 
And, and you can do that annually. Like, what's my focus this year? What am I trying to achieve? What's this year about for me? Some people use one word for the year. I can't just get it down to one word. I need more than one word. But I still like have a sense of what's this year about for me? And what am I trying to achieve in work and in my creative arts? And so then whatever comes to me, I ask, how does that thing help me achieve what I'm trying to do. So it's not, do I want to do this? Of course I want to do it. Can I do it? Sure. I can do anything um, in my mind, but how specifically is that thing going to contribute to what I'm already trying to do? And that helps me to, I'll still take things on, but it's very intentional and it's not just a bunch of random things. And I just have a feeling too, Lisa started out with, Lisa, you started talking about where you're at in your career and your age, and that that gives me an idea that you might be looking toward what is your impact. So thinking about all these things that you're doing, and I don't know if the doctoral work is related to your day job and your side hustles, or if it's a completely different thing, that makes a difference to me in terms of how I would think about all this. But I would be looking at what is the impact that you want to have and what are the skills and gifts and qualities that you most need to develop to have that impact. So that gives it much more of a targeted thing rather than I just love all these things and I'm doing all these things versus being a leader and really stepping into that sense of here's what I want to do. Here's, here's where I want to spend my precious time and the impact I, um, I most want to have and trying to focus it that way without necessarily having to cut off all the things that you want to do. Yeah, I love those questions. Um, I'm writing them down because I want to ask them myself <laughs> for my own life and my own work. I think those are really great questions to revisit on a fairly regular basis, probably also. You know, the other thing that popped into my head, and maybe it's a, you know, maybe another prompt to explore, was this question to to look at all the different things that she's doing. So she's got her job, she's got the doctorate uh, degree, she's got her coaching, her consulting, her speaking, her training. And for each one of these, ask some version of the question, how is this serving my ability to flourish as a human being? Mm. Not just what work purpose is it serving, mm. but like how is this serving my ability to live a good life? Like yes. what, what's the job of each one of these things yes. in the bigger picture? Yes. And let me add a couple more. So we look at that as like a yeah. wheel or put those in different, put a column. And then um, I would add what values are each of these things honoring mm. and what needs are being met. So the needs that are being met from doing the doctoral research is much different than the needs of one-on-one -on -one coaching and the needs of um, speaking and training. So she can kind of get a graph or a sort of a chart of seeing which needs are being met, which needs are not being met. Sometimes we'll add more stuff because there are unmet needs that are we're unconscious about. It's like, oh, I added that because I really want to be in community or I really need to be challenged intellectually. The doctoral research is probably doing something way different than her work as a trainer. Yeah, that's a really interesting point. I, I want to make sure that we, we we pause on that because it's not necessarily I'm doing this degree because there's a body of, of knowledge that I want to really like go deep into and know, and, and that may well be a part of it, but there are other needs that that same high-level, sustained, years-long commitment satisfies. And sometimes it's those other needs which seem to be ancillary, 
that are really giving us like that's the that is in our unique life circumstance the bigger need but it just happens to be delivered in this context that sometimes is easier to say yes to or more socially acceptable to say yes to for whatever reason um not saying that that's necessarily the case here but it's a really interesting inquiry to sort of like look deeper and say you know, like what are the needs that i have what are the needs that this satisfies and maybe what are the the less obvious less sort of like forward facing ones that this may really be speaking to yeah Lisa referred to really liking a challenge and the the doctoral work is a, a challenge because she wanted to know, can I really do a deep focus? And my, my first thought was like, what's important about that? Is that because someone says you're just bouncing all around or is, is you discovering if you can do a deep focus important to you for something that's really important to you? Um, or, be, or because someone said that you should focus. Because the world does tell us we should focus, we should be known for one thing, we should do one thing. And there are people like Lisa and, and me who have a really hard time with that and, and resent being told, being told what to do in the first place and being told that we have to only do one thing. I, I kept getting this image of an octopus. You know, there's an, this beautiful, elegant creature that has this great intelligence with one head and body, but then all of these arms that are able to do so many things. Yeah, I love that. That's one of the reasons that thing about the Sparky Tapes that led me to want to really deepen into that work is that when you can get to the underlying impulse, like the deepest impulse, and really understand that, like the impulse for effort that gives you that feeling of being alive, then you start to realize there are infinite, you know, like layered ways that it can show up in, a, you know, a million different jobs or tasks or pursuits and all these different things. And it can show up in, you know, like a dozen different passions that, that kind of have a similar underlying impulse. I thought it was also really interesting how she shared the primary impulse, like the strongest one is the, the essentialist, but her second was sage, which is the the impulse to um, to awaken insight, to illuminate. And sages, because and and she also said, you know, they they feel like they're really close. Like on any given day, they could kind of like flip flop between the strongest and you know first place and runner up, which is um, you know like not uncommon to hear things like that. It, which means the sage is also really, really, really strong in her. And what's fascinating about the sage is that sages need something to share. Mm. You know, they want to be able to to really dive into something, master a body of work so they can turn around and share it with other people. And it's often the sage's impulse that drives the fierce quest to learn um, because they want they want more to be able to share and they want to be able to share more deeply and in a more nuanced, complex, really cool way. So it's interesting to often see that impulse drive this supporting quest to just really become masterful in a particular domain of of wisdom. And I wonder if that's part of what's behind the uh, the doctoral pursuit as well here. Yeah. And that, that she mentioned the learning and keep the conversation flowing. So that makes a lot of sense. She, her, her big question is, another question is, what am I going to do with the doctoral work, the thesis that she needs to have a purpose? And to the sage point, knowing that she can share it, that she will be sharing that 
how doesn't necessarily matter, but with her skills as a consultant, coach, and speaker and trainer, it's kind of four different modalities that she can train. She can slice and dice that in many different ways. So I think that question, sometimes we want to have a grip on what we're going to do with it, but I would invite you to trust Lisa, just kind of lean into knowing that when that time comes, it will be obvious. Yeah, I I saw something else, and I'm I'm curious how you how you feel about this too. So, the essentials is is all about distilling. It's about creating order and simplicity, often from chaos and just mass amounts of information or or stuff. And Lisa shared that she actually said yes to pursuing the doctorate. I guess when she was either between jobs or left her new job, and in the interim has got this fabulous new job, which is a very high level position, you know, executive director. So it's almost like, you know, she says yes to this new thing, which she knows is going to take a lot of effort over a period of years. And then another position, work position, which sounds like it's a very high level position, which also probably takes a lot of energy. Sounds super fascinating to her. So she says yes to that too. And I wonder if part of what's happening here is that her essentialist instinct and her skill at sort of like looking at all the possibilities, really understanding capacity and limitations and constraints and bandwidth, and how do we put this into a system that functions? She's now looking at all the stuff she said yes to. She's seeing how each one of them individually has the ability to get bigger and more complex. And her skill, you know, as a as an essentialist is letting her it's 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 there's a little warning light going off saying okay, like, like this is your system. This is your life system. And like, you know, like I'm, I'm mapping out the spreadsheet for this. And I'm seeing that when we track out a year from now or two years from now, each one of these things are going to have too much data to contain in this system without the whole thing melting down. And that's that, that impulse is part of what's actually fueling this sort of like long-term realization that there may be a reckoning coming down the road. Yeah. And I think it's really, it's kind of humbling when we come to realize, oh, I I really do have too much on my plate. I really have reached my capacity and I'm going to start not being able to function at the level that I want and keep my commitments. Um, so that, that can be painful. And I, I, I do hope that some of what we're saying is helping Lisa to get, you know, to, to re- restructure things so she doesn't get to a painful point. She really wanted to know how to you know, not succumb to bright, shiny object syndrome and how to say no. And I I do have a couple of things. One's simple and one is maybe a little more complex. There's two words that together have really helped people like us who just have a hard time not um, saying yes. So when we look at that spreadsheet of all the different roles, it might be that the coaching and consulting and speaking and training that she doesn't have to say yes to new gigs now. She can just stay where she's at with the major commitments of the full-time job and the doctoral work. The words that help me are for now. For Mm. now, I'm not taking on any new training gigs. And you can decide in your mind for the next 12 months or the next six months. And and that just somehow soothes the the part of us that wants to do everything. No, for now, I'm not doing this. For now, here are some boundaries. And to really put those in place and maybe even write up a, a template email that's a, a, a lovely no, thank you, when offers come in to speak or coach for now. And then, well, here's a couple of 
another phrase that helps my clients a lot is I'm on deadline. Mm. So I'm on deadline or I'm in those kind of words, people really understand, oh, you're committed already to this and then you can't, you don't have to go into a long explanation. So just a couple simple phrases. And, and Lisa, you probably have your own that if those two um, don't resonate with you, you probably have your own but to, to kind of go a little bit under the surface more, you know, so we're looking at just some, some what are they called? Oh, boundaries. <laughs> some boundaries and guardrails around our decision making. If those don't really do what you need them to do, you might look underneath the surface a little more at what's driving your decision making and to really kind of get into the feeling of, you really know very clearly this feeling of bright, shiny object syndrome and saying yes to all these things and having a lot going on. And a certain degree of that is important to you. What's the feeling of simplifying? What is the feeling of less? Do you know that? Or do you have an experience of that? And if you don't, if you just do a thought experiment with yourself, what if you didn't do all these things? What are the feelings that come up? What emerges that that you either run toward, like, oh, yes, I want that peace of mind, or you run away from. So to really kind of do some, a little deeper, deeper inquiry around what is it that has you say yes underneath your, your tendencies and your spark type. I, I love those two frames. Um, it's funny, my two words are really similar to yours in that circumstance. Like I, the, the phrase for me is not now. Not now. Yeah. <laughs> Which is basically the same thing that you're saying. Like, because it lets me kind of say, well, I'm not necessarily saying no to it. I'm just saying now is not the moment. So let's kind of shelve it and, and we'll come back to it if and when it feels like, you know, it, it is a, a constructive way, um, to bring it back into what I'm doing. Um, and that deeper inquiry that you're talking about and the feeling, I think is, is so important also. As you were sharing that, I was, I was actually reflecting on, um, a conversation I had on our sister show on Good Life Project with Elaine Aaron, who is this incredible researcher and clinician who's who developed the phrase high sensitivity um, for human beings. And a lot of it is about processing stimulation, processing input. Hmm. And just as some folks can be highly sensitive and they like they're they're they need a fairly controlled, you know, and regulated flow of input. I also have come to really see that that some folks ex- seem to exist on the opposite side of the spectrum, where to feel like you're really alive and flourishing and functioning, you actually need a super high level of stimulation and input coming into you. And sometimes that's in the form of you know like fragmenting your attention across a whole bunch of different things. And a lot of people will look at that and say like, "Well, the human brain isn't isn't made for that. No, you can't sustain it. It's destructive." I'm always really cautious to make proclamations like that, that say everybody is wired in this way, you know, which gets back to your question, which is rather than saying like, I'm, I'm either adopting this label or this label, it goes back to like, well, how do I feel when I'm doing all these things? Do I feel completely fine and I love it and I feel like, like I'm flourishing? Great. You know, um, and I think, you know, this starts to sort of like have us come full circle around her question of what do I do about this? You know, she says, I have so many interesting opportunities and I need a lot going on to keep me intellectually stimulated. Where am I best focused directing my attention? But she's actually not asking about now because she seems like at least says, okay, right now she's projecting that down the road she won't be and wants to know in advance 
if and when that time comes, how do I make the call about basically effectively what to say no to? And part of my thought is that it's almost impossible to, to answer that question now because you'll have a different set of experiences and data and insight when you reach that time that may well give you the information that you need to make an intelligent decision. And rather than sort of seeing it coming and trying to pre-choose, which also can create a certain amount of anxiety or spin, I'm, I almost just want to say just life sounds really good for you right now. Like, like revel in it, <laughs> love it up, enjoy it. Know that you may have to make some decisions. And when you do, you're going to have different data to draw on yeah. and probably a better data set to make those decisions when it's needed. I'm curious where you land on this. I think, you know, to follow up on the d data and decision, I think it's more about developing a decision-making process that works. Mm. And that is that whole essentialist thing that is order from the chaos. So no matter what's going on, she knows how to use her decision-making. I go with my values. I go with my needs. I go with the impact I want to have, whatever the criteria are that she can use to simplify and get down to the essence of what's important and how she wants to live. So that's what I would be doing if I were you, Lisa. I'd be really just uh, developing your own decision-making process that works according to what's important for you, how you want to live, and the impact you want to have. Yeah. And, and pretty safe bet. She actually already has that process. I think so many of us do. We've just never sat back and distilled it and sort of like written it down. Like this is actually how I make the call when it comes to moments where things are, things are important. I think, you know, we just kind of wing it, never really realizing, oh, actually there is a methodology that we kind of have in our head. Um, and then you can kind of look at the methodology and say like, Am I like, does this sound reasonable to me? <laughs> well, you know, you know me, I, writing it down, it makes all the difference and just yeah. notes or lists or charts or rewriting, whatever, like putting it on paper reveals, kind of reveals it all and is a super power tool. So I, Lisa probably does that too, but yeah, to your point, putting it on paper and, and also can serve as a reminder when something comes up, you can go back to your paper. What did I say was important to me now? What am I doing now? We forget. We just forget. It's so silly that we can do that. But oh, what am I focused on? Oh, yeah, that. So yeah, writing it down. Mm, love that. Feels like a great moment for us to wrap up uh, Lisa's fantastic question. Any sort of like final thought or big idea or, or big takeaway or if you like, like this is what I would really sort of like a, a seed that you would plant as we wrap up the combo. I just think Lisa, you do know what to do. I know, I think you know what your best focus is. And I just hope that some of the questions that we've given you to help frame it or to remind you of your own questions and processes, give you that magic wand that you know you already had. It's so Wizard of Oz. You knew you had it all the time, but you just needed <laughs> the to be ruby reminded. red slippers, yes, right? Yes, yes. Beautiful. Thank you, Cynthia. Thank you, Lisa. And we will see you on the next episode of Spark. Hey, so I hope you enjoyed that conversation, learned a little something about your own quest to come alive and work in life, and maybe feel a little bit less alone along this journey to find and do what sparks you. And if you'd love to share your own moment and question with us, we would love to hear from you. Just go ahead and click on the submissions link in the show notes to get the details on how to do that. And remember, if you're at a moment of exploration, looking to find and do or even create work that makes you come more fully alive, that brings more meaning and purpose and joy into your life, take the time to discover your own personal Sparkotype for free 
at sparkatype.com. It'll open your eyes to a deeper understanding of yourself and open the door to possibility like never before. And hey, if you're finding value in these conversations, please just take an extra second right now to follow and rate Sparked in your favorite podcast app. This is so helpful in helping others find the show and growing our community so that we can all come alive and work in life together. Until next time, I'm Jonathan Fields, and this is Sparked.